I'm Rachel Olstead, and this is the Dream Builder Society podcast. As a life coach, I help women just like you harness the power of your thoughts to take your good life and make it great. Join me each week here for inspiration, stories, and practical life coaching tools with real life application to start taking small steps towards creating the life of your dreams. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dream Builder Society podcast. I am so excited today to introduce to you a guest that we have, Allison Ryan, who is also a mama mentor. And Allison and I have been connected for quite a while now. We are both Minnesota mamas as well, which is so fun. And today we're just going to have a raw and honest conversation about motherhood. We don't have one specific message that we want to share with you guys, but we just know that the motherhood journey and the motherhood space really doesn't doesn't get enough airtime. And I think that there's so many things that we need to and want to be talking more about. And so we're going to share a little bit about our journeys and we're going to just kind of explore some of the highs and lows and everything in between about motherhood from just becoming a mother and through the different stages and seasons because Allison and I are at different stages and in different seasons of our motherhood journey. And I think it's just going to be a fun conversation. So welcome, Allison. Thank you so much, Rachel. I am thrilled to be here with you today. Yes, we are excited to dig in. So Allison, as we kind of get started, tell us just a little bit about you and and what you do and who you are. Yes. So as you said, I am a Minnesota mama. I'm originally from Wisconsin, so I'm a cheesehead at heart. I have two little girls who are now eight and six. And I can't even believe that I'm saying that because they just, just doesn't feel possible. I've been with my husband since 2003 and we live in Minnesota because our daughters attend a Chinese language immersion program here. That's why we moved back to Minnesota. Amazing. I did not know that. What was that? I did not know that. That's so cool. Yeah, we were living in Des Moines for about 10 years, and then we wanted them to do language immersion in Chinese. That's what my husband studied that one. So it's been an incredible experience, but that will actually, that might come up in our conversation. Yeah. (laughs) That transition um, as a young mama to a new city. Oh my gosh. Um, And yes, I am a mama mentor. I specifically support women who are kind of in the earlier years of motherhood, I would say, um, you know, from like postpartum period, which personally, I think that lasts forever. I don't think that's just like a short window of time. Um, And mamas who have one, two, three or more kids, but who are really wanting to create a life that feels so, so good for them and are maybe right now feeling overwhelmed, feeling exhausted, depleted, and kind of like, oh, this motherhood thing is not what I expected. And I'm having a real hard time. And I'm just so glad to be having this conversation with you, Rachel, because I agree. I think that it's so important that we share our stories and experience in motherhood so that listeners, followers, friends, family, they just feel understood and heard and less alone in their journey too, because especially right now, just with the environment of 
still kind of feeling secluded or like sequestered or because of COVID, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just life is different. Yeah. And when you and I had like our first kiddos and just even from a couple of years ago, it's just a really intense time to be a mama. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. I, I absolutely love. And thank you so much for sharing a little bit about you and what you do and, and how you serve women and mothers in that capacity too. So I would love to just start by digging into just about and, and not necessarily, I don't want this to get like into too much of like the business aspect, although that is part of it, because both of us have businesses and our moms. And I I definitely want to talk a little bit about that. But how in general, like, did you get into this work of doing what you're referring to, which I love as mama mentoring? Like, how did you get into this work? And even more important than the how is like, why? Like, why is this work so important to you? Yeah. So the how, you know, I think it was about, gosh, four years ago now, when I was in the throes of like postpartum depression and anxiety and overwhelm, and I was really working towards feeling better about my life, (laughs) investing in myself, I ended up enrolling my daughters in a Montessori program. And I mentioned this because it gave me space and time for me and to explore what I'm passionate about what I was passionate about then and what I'm still passionate about now. And so at that time I was listening to a lot of podcasts. One of my, one of the very first podcasts I listened to was vibrant, happy women with Jen, Dr. Jen Riday. And you might be familiar with that one. Another one I listened to was the side hustle school with Chris Gillibo. And I was like, I want my own business. I'm, I'm an Aquarian and I'm a kind of a free spirit and I'm very independent. And I knew that I wanted something of my own. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit about that piece. But then the, the why is I might get emotional because I'm just feel so passionate about this. I just see such a significant lack of support for mamas in the postpartum period. And I, I had a unique experience in that I had home births for both of my girls. And so I was connected to a really incredible tight knit community in Des Moines which I was connected to until we moved. But even within that community, there was still, I still felt there was a lack of support. And I think it's absolutely crazy and insane and just really irresponsible um, to say to women, well, come back for your six week checkup. And then for them to be just be completely on their own. And that is is shocking to me and it's just not right. And so I have this like deep, deep passion and desire, this vision to completely transform the postpartum experience for women. Motherhood is the most important job that not only we have as women, but that exists in our humanity. Like there is nothing more important than raising children and mothers being taken care of. It is the backbone of our society and we are just completely neglecting it. And yeah, I mean, I could talk for days about that, but that is, that was like my why It's just seeing a massive need. And even from when I started my, my small business back then, 
four years ago, like when I shared about what I wanted to do, I remember moms and, and women saying, oh, that's so needed. And now there's more of that. Like, you know, there's mama coaches and I'm mm-hmm. part of a training that I'm doing with someone who lives in Australia around like supporting mothers. So there's more and more of it, but we have a long way to go in getting mothers that adequate support that they need and deserve. Yeah. Yeah, it is a really emotional discussion because it's so near and dear. It's not like outside of us, like, hey, I see this problem that I want to solve. It's like, no, I am in it. I'm experiencing it on a daily basis. And like, if I'm struggling, I know that there are other people who are struggling. And I really do think that even if women, even if mothers don't say that they're struggling, I think they all are. And I'm not trying to make this like a bigger problem than it is, you know, and saying like everyone's miserable and everyone's struggling and it's all falling apart. But I think that there's this silent struggle right? And that is like, really, I'm going to call it an epidemic on its own, maybe a pandemic, right? On its own, this like silent struggle, even, you know, within pregnancy and through the labor and delivery process and beyond, right? That like so many moms don't necessarily even, um, have the words or maybe even the capacity to like wrap their heads around just the like beautiful but also traumatic experience that is the journey of motherhood. And so I think at least for me, that is like when I don't ask for support in any area of my life, or if I don't like express it, it's not because I'm not struggling. I see this so often. You and I even talked about this as we were kind of prepping for this podcast, like this idea of women, um, like not asking for the support and not making like more noise about it, not because they don't need it. I think there's partially because they maybe feel like they don't deserve it. But I actually really think that the the core is that they like can't even wrap their heads around like, what has happened? What is happening? What are the actual problems? Like, and to put that all into words, like to take this like massive experience and to express like what is going on, what do I need help with? I don't even know. And so it's like we just stay behind the scenes and struggle because that's almost easier, dare I say, than trying to find the words and spend the time and energy figuring out like what actually is wrong, what support is actually there, right? It's like, I don't know if that makes any sense to you or if or if that resonates with you, but I think that's one of the biggest problems. Not that there's a denial, not that there's like a fear. I think there is a fear, but I think it's more just like the overwhelm of how do I even make sense of this to the point where I can maybe get some support. Absolutely. I agree. And when you're in it, when you're in the thick of it and you're exhausted and you're depleted and you're probably sleep deprived, at least I know I was for years in early motherhood, any kind of change just feels like even more overwhelming and, or, you know, and even if it was, even if it's changed in a positive direction, it can be really scary. Like you said, there's a lot of fear there, but I'm so glad Rachel that you mentioned the silencing piece because 
you know, in learning more and more about motherhood and just so many aspects of it and specifically learning about matrescence, which is just like adolescence, it is the transition that women go through when they become a mother. And it impacts every single aspect of our life, emotional, physical, spiritual, uh, monetarily. I mean, like it, it's, there's, it just touches every part of our life, matrescence does. And there's a lot of pieces to that, which I'm still learning about, and it's fascinating. But um, I think what so often happens for mamas, and it certainly did for me, is that I didn't get mad. I just got perfect. And I thought that there was something wrong with me that, you know, if I can't figure this out, then there must be something wrong with me. And if you kind of think about motherhood from like a social structure aspect, like we live in a patriarchal society. And I think sometimes like I, I, I do believe that the structures are set up where it's easy for us in motherhood, especially to feel like we can't do anything right because it's like, well, look at this, you know, you can do this, but can we really do that? Like, I, I just think that it's hard and it's, um, we struggle for a reason <laughs> because yeah. there isn't the support. There are, there aren't the structures to empower us. There, there isn't the help like readily available, you know, like all of these things we are kind of like digging deep and doing on our own. Right. Like, and like you said, like a lot of the times it's just easy to easier to do it on our own because it, maybe if we ask for help, then we're told no and we feel bad or guilty about that. Or we do things a certain way and maybe our partner doesn't like the way that we ask for help. Right. So like sometimes it is just easier to like self-silence mm-hmm. and and to go within and think there's something wrong with us. But that in itself, I mean, like that is just so detrimental for our well-being and our health, our mental yeah. health. Yeah, it's almost like the idea, like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't kind of thing, right? And even just thinking, yeah, and even just thinking about like, all of the options that are available, like, just as far as, you know, delivery and parenting styles and like schooling and childcare and this and that. And it's like, there are options, but I really don't think that there are any like really great options, right? Like, I think it's like, here's a buffet of four week old, like, molding Chinese food like what would you like right it's kind of that idea of like okay pick your poison kind of thing but I think there are so many like amazing opportunities for for moms that we're maybe not like missing out on because we're so like stuck in um in the overwhelm of just all of it. And I think I like I'm getting ahead of myself here. Like I want to back up a little bit and I want to kind of simplify things and just talk a little bit about like a few specific pieces because I think we could talk all day about like the lack of support and like what we want to do and create. And I think this conversation is part of that, right? Is part of that step forward as part of like the unsilencing, if that's a word, (laughs) of that, like of this journey, right? And of this experience. But even you having having little ones that are six and eight, and me having a four year old, four and a half, almost an almost two year old at the end of this month, and a five month old baby, like I am in the thick of it, right? Like I have not 
not been pregnant or nursing or having a newborn or (laughs) all of those transitions for like almost five years now, right? And it is like, sometimes I just think about it. I'm like, I just stop and think like, how is this happening? Like, it's all beautiful. It's all amazing. But also it's like, what is going on? Like, it's so hard to explain even to like my husband or family members, like, what is going on or like, you know, why I feel the way that I do. And there's not always answers, right? But I want to talk a little bit about like a couple specific pieces here um, and kind of start with like a a really, really um, beautiful, positive piece of like, for you, what's your favorite part of, of motherhood? Oh, I love that question, Rachel. Thank you for asking it. My favorite part truly is like getting to know my children Mm. and watching their personalities change and grow. Um, It is so much fun. And um, they are really different people. And my husband and I have chosen to parent in a way that really respects them and honors who they are. And we don't want to change them. They're, you know, two little girls. I think that that has been the most fun thing. I would say second to that is like going places with them. And I know like we haven't been able to travel as much as we would hope to. Um, But when we do get to go out and like take adventures and do things like that, it's just so much fun to introduce them to different foods and different places and, you know, see the world with them. Um, These are, these are, I knew that I would love these ages and I do like I, these ages are way more fun for me than when they were really little. Yeah. Although I love the cuddles and the nursing and all of those things. It's just like, it's so much fun to watch them learn. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I'm just like listening to that experience too, like not having had that experience yet. And you just even saying like going places and I'm like, that's on like the bottom of my list right now. Like I do not like going places with my three kids four and under. And I think every mom listening can probably relate, but there's just that beauty, right? And like every single stage. And I think part of motherhood is like, we, we live so much in the, in the past and we live so much in the future. And I think this is true with all human beings, but I think especially mothers where it's like looking to our past as in like how we were raised, how our parents were, how life was like when I was a kid and this and that, right? And like all of this comparison to the past or maybe this nostalgia or maybe whatever, right? But then also looking to the future of like, oh, I can't wait for this. This is going to be so great. This next stage is going to be easier when they're sleeping through the night, when they don't do this, when they can finally talk, when they can stop, like when they can start managing their emotions and not having so much, so many tantrums, right? Like all of these things we're always looking forward. And I think so often, often like we we miss the opportunity to like really cherish exactly where we're at and i think that just like the journey of motherhood and what makes one of the things that makes it so difficult even about like finding our favorite parts of motherhood is just simply that there's so much all the time and like we do have to be so intentional about like pausing and coming back to the present moment to really even like answer that question right? And to really think like about ourselves and about our kids, because it can also go in two ways. I think there's, there's a lot of 
even just thinking like our favorite part of motherhood is, is always about our kids rather than about ourselves, which is really interesting because it's our motherhood journey, right? Yeah. Like, isn't that yeah. fascinating to see? And it's not wrong. It's not bad. It's just fascinating. Like our favorite part of motherhood always has to do with the children, which might like someone listening might be like, well, duh, like that's the point. But it's really interesting that we're never like, oh, my favorite part of motherhood is like watching myself grow in my patience for my kids or something like more personal, right? Like focus yeah. back on ourselves and like our relationship with ourselves too. I think it can like teeter on that, like a little bit of that, dare I say, martyrdom a little bit, right? Of mm-hmm. like, it all being always about our children. And I think that's like maybe one place that just as a society and as a whole, that for me personally, I think is maybe a little bit detrimental to the mother in the journey of motherhood, right? Where it's all about the child. It's all about, and again, like we want our children to be safe and secure and, and totally taken care of and loved and cherished. Right. But like, we sometimes forget about ourselves. And then because of that, because we do, I think other people then do, right? Where it's like, we're not posting pictures of ourselves postpartum on Facebook, but we're posting pictures of our kids, right? right. It's like they matter more, but like we also really matter, right? And I just wanted to share share that piece. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, like before we continue. Yeah. Oh, I could not agree more. And I remember when I finally gifted myself, like we invested a significant amount of money in them doing Montessori part-time back then. That was the start of my favorite times of motherhood because I gave myself time to do things that I loved. And when I came back to be with them, I was in, like, I was the mama that I wanted to be. And I hesitate to see like a better mother because that isn't relevant you know, there isn't yeah. like a best mother or there isn't a perfect mother, but like I desire to be a patient, kind, respectful, and loving mama. Like those are so, those values just ride on my heart every single day. Mm-hmm. And I really feel strongly, and this is based on my own experience and also talking with so, so many mamas that we really can't be the mamas that we desire to be if we don't take care of ourselves. You know, I think so much of the struggle in motherhood is because we aren't prioritizing our well-being. And that is really the work that I do in the world is showing mamas how you can prioritize yourself. And it it doesn't have to feel like it's a struggle and it doesn't you don't have to feel guilty about it and you can have both. You know, like you can be a super present, loving mama and you can take good care of yourself. And the piece you said about the presence, I think that is the most like underappreciated and under, I don't know, it's just the biggest gift that Mm -hmm. you can give yourself and your kids is presence. And it takes practice. And like you said, it takes so much intention, but there is way more peace to be found in presence than there is in the past or the future. It's where the gold is, is in the present moment. 
Yeah, I love that. So lots of favorite parts of motherhood. I'll just share mine quick, and then I want to talk a little bit about like least favorite parts and maybe dig up some of the the yucky stuff that maybe doesn't get talked about enough that we both, I'm sure, have plenty of, right, in our journeys. One of my favorite parts of motherhood is similar to um, to what you said about just like watching them develop as individuals. And because mine are so little, I haven't had that many years where they've had really like, you know, their personalities coming to life. And it's just so fun to to watch and to see like what they like, how they speak, how they like interact. And it's just so funny now having three seeing like the differences already and even even in our baby who's only five months old starting to develop his own personality too and just like getting to witness that and and witness those moments like from their experiences but I think another favorite part of um of motherhood of mine is like is how my kids are able to help me become um just like the best version of myself and like basically like a, a boot camp, a training ground, right? For me to like intentionally become my best version of myself in all the different ways, right? And I think it's more like, it's not not that I don't have internal motivation and intrinsic motivation to do that because I always have, right? But that aside, it's like this external motivation too to like, be my best, be the best wife that I can be, be the best business owner that I can be, be the best, right, mother as well, but just like be my best self, like for their sake and for all of our future together. So I can experience the things that I want to experience and to be there for them in in that capacity is is just really fun. And just watching like the goofiness like of of kids. It's just it's just so fun. So um on the opposite side, what would you say is like one of your least favorite parts of motherhood? I think that's a little challenging for me mm-hmm. to answer only because I had a lot of really high expectations of myself yeah. in motherhood. I'm a recovering perfectionist and a recovering people pleaser. And I think the the piece that's been like the hardest for me are the triggers. Um, and you've probably heard this, Rachel, and I'm sure your listeners have too, but like the triggers are our teachers, that triggers are showing us that there's something deep within us that is ready to be healed. And I've come a long way <laughs> in uh, on my own healing journey. And that really started again, like when my girls were super young and I yeah. was, um, I was a ra- really rageful mama. Um, and it was like devastating and um, n- just nothing that I ever expected to experience being like a super joyful and, you know, a happy person. Um, it was just really hard. And that was obviously like the lowest point in my motherhood journey. But I would say just like consistently over the years, the triggers have been the most challenging. And I think one of the reasons why I love this season of mothering so much is not just the ages of my girls, because they've always been so much fun, but it's just that I love myself more now than I ever have. And that makes my life all around better. And I know myself and I know what I need 
I know how to get myself what I need. And I think that that takes time in motherhood. And um, sometimes it takes longer than others. You know, it just depends. So yeah. that's my answer, the triggers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I think that's so true with with anything, but especially within motherhood, like for me, one of, and I, I hate to say like least, least favorite part, but it was more just like opposite kind of, of, of the, you know, most favorite part, but just like the thing that's the most challenging for me is that, well, there's two things. The first thing that's the most challenging, I think is my kids basically, well, this is similar to like the triggers, but like the fact that they're, they're a mirror to me. And that is so difficult and so humbling, but also brings up a lot of frustration and anger in me sometimes, especially with my oldest who is, um, again, only four and a half, but like she is to a T exactly me in every way, shape, and form from looks to personality to attitude to like it all. And I see so many of the qualities in her, like in myself. And now as an adult, like they're amazing qualities that I love about myself and that have served me so well. But in a four-year-old, like it truly sometimes drives me crazy, but I know that I was the same way when I was little, right? And so it's like, okay. And my husband always reminds me like, she's you, she's you. And I'm like, yes, she is. Like she's, she's her, but she's part me, right? And, and like mirroring sometimes the greatest parts of me and oftentimes like the things that I really do also need to work on. And so that is like the most challenging that it's like a direct mirror into like who I am in the areas that I still need to and get to grow in as well. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow, right? Like, why is my child doing that? And then interestingly enough, I just did that same thing two days ago, right? And so that is truly one of the most challenging. And I think for me, the other thing that I just want to be really candid about um, that I don't know if it's like super common, but I'll just share my personal experience is, and maybe it's just in this season of like never ending babyhood and toddlerhood right in my life right now. But um, just like the constantly being needed is difficult for me if I'm being completely honest. Like I am, I've always been an extraordinarily independent person, never been um, a, a needy person and never really liked to be, I, I mean, I like to be needed in a way that I can support other people and help other people and give and, and care for them. Right. But like, there's nothing like being needed 24 <laughs> seven for someone's truly someone's survival, right? Like my children, especially at their ages, like really need me 24 seven. And, um, it is, it is exhausting. And, um, I think that's why it's so important, like you said, to pour into ourselves and to not just allow that to be an excuse why we don't pour into ourselves because my kids need me 24-7. Like that's the reason to pour into ourselves and to get some childcare if we need to and to seek out the help that we need and to, you know, 
for me, like I have had periods of of time throughout the last five years where I have been on postpartum anxiety and depression medication. And, and I am right now on a very low dose. And it's like a saving grace. And, you know, just like pouring into ourselves because there's beautiful parts, but there's also challenging parts. But I think it's really, um, again, that mirror to what I would love to like talk a little bit more about with you as we like kind of continue this conversation, just being our, our best own advocates for ourselves, right? Because we've talked about there's kind of this lack of support, lack of understanding in general about like the whole motherhood experience and, and, you know, what that postpartum period looks like. And, um, and living in a patriarchal society is is not helping that any. But what does that look like to you, I guess, to be like, to encourage mothers to be their best, like an own advocate? What does that look like? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. I really think it starts with valuing ourselves. Mm. Um, I think it starts with recognizing that we are goddesses for you know, holding babies in our bodies, creating them, carrying them, birthing them, (laughs) feeding them sometimes, but always, I mean, always feeding them, whether with, with our breast or bottle, whatever, but we are goddesses. And we, I think valuing ourselves is just so important in becoming our, our number one advocate. And I also think that it's, it's not, I, how do I want to say this? It's really easy to fill our days with things related to our family. Yeah. They're all the needs. Like you said, like you're needed all the time. I can, can relate to that. I mean, I still feel that way with mm-hmm. an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. It's like, why can't they just call for their dad? You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm their mama and they love me. Mama, mama, mama. Um. But becoming our own best advocate is also having, again, some space and time to even recognize what do I need? Who can I talk to? You know, like, do you have a friend that you you feel safe sharing with this about? For me, I felt safe sharing in like the darkest of my days um, with my sister-in-law. And it, it wasn't necessarily like one of my best friends, you know, or, or whatever. But I, I think it's also finding these safe places to go to seek support because I think it stinks and I don't think it's right. But I still, you know, like we do need to go and find and make the appointment and show up. I mean, we have to do those things for ourselves because if we don't, no one else does. And yeah. I spoke about this on a, a different podcast that I did quite a bit ago, but it's like, you know, there is no knight in shining armor that is coming to save you. Like you are the knight in shining armor for yourself. And that's a really powerful and empowering thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have chills. Like just hearing you say that, like you are your own knight in shining armor, right? Like we have that power to, to give ourselves what we need and to seek out the people, seek out the support, seek out the resources and not just like sit in silence and in pain. And it it does take guts. It does take courage, right? To do that. But again, like you said, no one's going to do it for us. And so we just have to ask ourselves, like, what do like, 
really ask ourselves like what what do we want in our in our life right like what do we want in our experience who do we want to be as mothers and i think that all starts with with like you said like carving out that time and space for ourselves to begin with right like i think that's actually like if we were if we were like paring this down to the the simplest approach which I always like to do with with my work with my clients in any capacity, right? But also for myself and and I'm sure this rings true to you too. It's like let's take the most intense, overwhelming, stressful things and let's try to simplify it as much as we can, right? Like we can't get help until we take that one step and have a little bit of quiet time to even reflect or journal like how am I feeling today? right? Like asking ourselves those questions that probably a lot of moms don't even ask. They're just like going through the motions and living life and taking care and doing the things and, and not even asking like, okay, how am I feeling today? What do I need today? Who can help me today? What might I, what needs am I anticipating I might have? Like literally just taking that five minutes even, like every single day and reflecting and tuning in and asking ourselves those really powerful but simple questions can be enough to like spark that courage, right? To take the next step and actually, whether that's calling a doctor, calling a friend, hiring a coach, a mentor, whatever, like taking a step to become, you know, part of a a local mom's group, like whatever that looks like for you in whatever season of life you're in. Because although I think we're all taking, or so many of us, I should say, are taking steps to help moms just like talk about it more, right? And, and talk about all the different stages and all the different aspects of motherhood. But no one, no one's going to like hand it to you on a silver platter, right? Like here's the solution for feeling like an overwhelmed mom, right? Like there is no one solution, but there's solutions that are available, right? But we we do need to take the time to kind of explore that, right? And I, I love that for sure. But I, I would love to, if you're open to exploring and talking a little bit about just like early, early postpartum, or maybe even the the first couple years when I think postpartum anxiety, depression, and even postpartum rage, which I think both you and I have experienced, um, when those are kind of like at their at their height. If you're willing to go there, I would love to talk a little bit about like that experience and and even like how you how you recognized like what was happening and then maybe some of the steps that you took and I'm happy to share my own experience as well about like some of those really tough like postpartum disorders too that so many people experience mm-hmm. yeah I'm absolutely happy to talk about it with my first daughter who was born now eight years ago I don't think I was as aware that I had some postpartum anxiety going on, but I Mm -hmm. definitely did. Like I was terrified of taking her anywhere where she might cry. A lot of this is connected to my own childhood trauma, which was like a sleeping bear until I transitioned into motherhood and then just woke up with like a fury. Yeah. But when my second daughter was born, my first was two and a half. So pretty close in age. Yeah. And so Juliet was born in November of 2015 And it was shortly after she was born that I was like, something's not right. 
like it was more of the depression. Yeah. Um, definite overwhelm where I was just, and that was a full-time stay-at-home mama. And I just remember saying to my husband, like, I can't do, like, I cannot do this. I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And um, spoke with my midwife and I ended up going the route of doing acupuncture for several months after Juliet was born. But like, you know, I wasn't getting the sleep I needed. I was home all the time with my girls. Like it just felt like Groundhog Day. Yeah. And it was just like, it was so hard. It was one of the hardest times of my life. And the fog for me lifted somewhere around March of that spring. And I was feeling so much better. Like I was really enjoying motherhood more with the two girls I felt more balanced. I was getting like taking better care of myself. I was doing a lot of supplements, still doing acupuncture and all kinds of things. And then we made the decision to move to Minnesota, back to Minnesota. And that was the absolute worst decision that we had ever made for my mental health because we moved from a place where we had a lot of community community and connection. And Rachel, I know that you had to move too when your littles were, and it just like, it completely threw me. And I like, fell real far back down into that hole of postpartum anxiety, depression, and then ultimately postpartum rage. And the rage for me was somewhat sporadic. Like I think it was kind of connected to my cycle, but it was also very much triggered by my own childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And I was not taking a medication at that time. And I mean, that's a whole nother story for another day. Cause it's just like pretty lengthy about mm-hmm. how that all came to be. But like, I ended up the final straw really was when I was breaking my dinner plates in the kitchen sink, because I was just like in the middle of a rageful episode. And like, I was, I almost like was blacking out in them because I didn't even know, like I was just so overcome. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, like I was close to losing my marriage. And I knew, like, I I was devastated. I hated myself. I hated who I was being. It was awful for my girls to see me like that. And I just finally, like, I got to the bottom and I was like, there's nowhere to go, but to get myself help. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't want to do medication. I felt like that was kind of like, I don't know why I just... I didn't want to have to take a medication. I felt like I was weak, right? Like there was something wrong with me. If I needed medication, I wasn't good enough for motherhood. And when I finally did like two weeks later on a low dose of Paxil, which I still take, I was life changing, life changing. Mm -hmm. And like gives me the chills still to say it, but like I noticed a difference and so did the rest of my family. And it wasn't all roses and, you know, butterflies after that. It was, it's been a long road of taking good care of myself, but it's possible. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's really my story. And every once in a while I'll get really upset, but it's nothing, nothing like those early days of, of feeling rageful. And I mean, having little kids and being home with them full time is just, it's so hard, Yeah. but I had other things going on too, that I didn't even realize until yeah. I started seeing a therapist yeah. And really digging into that. Yeah. But I think motherhood is like this, um, this portal, if I can call it that, to healing. Like literally you are like opened up like physically, emotionally, spiritually, like literally sometimes like 
not to get too graphic, but sometimes like literally torn open, like your entire body, your entire life are torn open to make room and space for this new, this new child, right? And that's actually like such an amazing period of time for us to like heal as well and like heal not only physically but also emotionally mentally spiritually from from our own traumas too and I think a lot of people miss out on that opportunity because they're so focused again on only like keeping the child alive and well and and forgetting about themselves and so um yeah I just appreciate you sharing that and that experience too, because actually, I don't think that a lot of people even recognize that like, postpartum rage is a thing. Because I think if you are angry and have episodes of like rageful behavior, you're just like, excuse my language, but like a postpartum like bitch, basically, right? You're just like lashing out, you're crazy, what's wrong with you? Like, right? Like that kind of thing. And I remember with my first, I was one of, um, I only had one friend at the time that had a baby a year older than than Kennedy, my my oldest daughter. And um, I didn't really like have any support system at that point. I mean, my mom and mother in law were supportive, but they had also been like 25, 26 years like, <laughs> like removed from from the scenario, right? And everything's different. And so I did feel really alone. And it wasn't until probably like, um, month two or three of of that experience when um I realized and other people started pointing out like just my anxiety levels, which naturally I do also struggle with anxiety and depression, but I had never been treated. I had never been medicated. Similar reasons to you. I'm like, I'm strong. I can do this. I can, you know, I don't need, I don't need that, whatever. But I really struggled with like hyper, hyper anxiety. And it was like these terrible thoughts, like I like terrible thoughts that like my daughter was gonna like die and all of these crazy, crazy things. And it was, yeah, like really scary to even like put her to bed and like wonder when I'm gonna have to get up next. And it was just this cycle and I did feel really alone. Like I remember sitting on my couch one time when she was about two months old and I was also finishing my master's degree at the same time. And like, it was just wild. And I remember sitting on the couch, like staring out the window just like feeling nothing, like just like feeling nothing. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like I loved her so much. It was such a beautiful time. And I remember one of my best friends called me who didn't have any kids at the time. And she was just wanting to chat. And I just broke down in tears. And I was like, I feel like no one cares. I feel like no one understands. I feel like no one cares. Like, I'm just here trying to survive with this new baby. And like everyone else, the world just is like, continuing to spin. It's almost like the idea of like grief, right? If someone loses someone close to them, like they feel that they experience the depths of it on a daily basis and the world keeps spinning outside of them. And it's like, it can be really hard to like reconcile like other people, the world like is happening. And like, here I am trying to like 
navigate this whole new experience, right? And so that was really tough right away. And it kind of cleared around like six months and medicated and and that was an amazing experience. And so with my second, I knew that at that point I was already home. I had my business, everything was going well. And this was like the the winter of 2019. So almost two years ago now. And I knew I'm like, I'm going to go on a low dosage of some sort of medication beforehand, because I just want to like nip this in the butt. And so that was my way of like being my own advocate. I'm like, it's going to be winter. I've already got one kid home. I have my business. I don't want my marriage to fall apart. Like, I just want to be proactive, right? And so I just share that because I want other women and, and, you know, people listening to know that like, that was what being my own advocate looked like at that point in time, like knowing that I'm already susceptible to like seasonal affective disorder. And I already get kind of moody in the winter. And, you know, it was just kind of like a recipe for disaster. And so that helped really, really like helped me manage those first six months. And then I was able to come off the medication and everything was was great. And so yeah, just to echo like what you said about moving too, like this summer, having moved to a new city, a new baby, a new house, like there's been so much upheaval in in my life even this year. But just being like really open and candid about it, like I think round three now, right? Having had this experience with two other babies, like I had so much more awareness of myself and of like, managing my expectations. Like you said, Allison, like I am a recovering perfectionist who used to have like extraordinarily high expectations of everything and everyone, including myself. And it was just like this recipe for, for constant disaster and disappointment. Right. And so understanding like what, what my new expectations were going to be. And I feel like this time around with baby number three has been like such a different experience, so much more peaceful. Like I still have moments of frustration and anger and all of the human emotions, right? That we all have, but just like the experience of being my own advocate, like year after year, baby after baby. And like, you know, knowing when I'm not feeling right. And again, like now I I have decided to go on a low dose of I tried Zoloft this time. And it is like, like you said, like, the skies have, have cleared up again. And it's just like, maybe it's temporary, maybe it's not, I don't know. But because like, I want the best for me as a mom, as a woman, as a wife, and as a mother, right? Like that is such a powerful decision to make, because I love myself, like, and and for you, because you loved yourself, right? Not just because you loved your kids, but because you loved yourself, you're able to be your own advocate. And so, yeah, I just want to share like my experience with with some of those disorders, because it can be really scary when you're in the midst of it. And it doesn't just stop like, you know, in six months, that's been my experience where it kind of clears up around six months. But sometimes it doesn't even start until like one to two years postpartum. Like, I don't know if you have any any other thoughts about about that before we continue. But yeah, and I mean, I I think mine was probably a little impacted by like, when I stopped breastfeeding my yeah, my youngest or, you know, like hormonally what was going on and nutritionally what was going on and, and all of the things. I mean, I think it's a real shame 
And I don't yeah. really like to use the word shame, but I'm just saying, like, I think it's so detrimental when there are, um, how do I want to say this stories or messages shared with women that like when women, when mothers are ashamed for doing, choosing medication for themselves, I bought into that, right? Like that I'm a less of a person because, um, because I take medication and I certainly don't feel that way now. And I have no shame at all talking about it, but there are still a lot of messages out there that are shaming moms for doing what they need to do. And sometimes in like extremely dire circumstances, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if it's dire or not. It's about you feeling good and you deserve to feel healthy and well. That's not only just emotionally, but like mentally, physically. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, motherhood is hard, but it doesn't have to be like, let's not make it harder than it already is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, and I think one big message that I have in working with mamas is like, Pressing the easy button. Mm. What is easy? And I think that that's come with time for me. Again, talking about the perfectionist, perfectionalism. Is that a word? Perfectionalism. Perfectionism. perfectionism. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, let's find some ways yeah. to press the easy button, especially yeah. right now. Like, it just doesn't matter. Your happiness, yeah. your joy. Your enjoyment of your life is what matters the most. Don't worry about the, you know, McDonald's and chicken nuggets and iPad time and TV time and all of that kind of stuff. Like press the easy button. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that because I also think that there's this, and and I would kind of like, like to wrap up on this note and, and talk a little bit about this concept, but I was thinking about, and I think about this all the time, this expression that gets thrown around that just like drives me nuts. And I don't know if you're going to agree or disagree and you can have your own opinion. We can talk about that too. But this idea of like the quote unquote, like hot mess mom or like train wreck mom, like it just like makes me so angry because like, I don't want any mom to like label themselves like that and become a self-fulfilling prophecy as like a hot mess mom. Like what if you're just a mom who has human emotions, who has human children, who have human emotions, and it's just sometimes a little bit chaotic, but like that's not a problem and we're not a hot mess, right? Because things go awry and because we might struggle and because like um, expectations may have to be changed or lowered or whatever, right? Like it doesn't mean anything about us and I really just like want and need moms to know too that like they're worthy as they are because they exist, right? Like period. There is nothing to add to that. And yeah, that just kind of made me made me think about that as you said like press the easy button because I think a lot of people are like oh, I press the easy button too much and so like I'm a bad mom, right? And it's like or we could just make it easier for everyone, right? And like not make that mean anything and not have shame and judgment around that. Because I think that's like the biggest problem. It's like, it's not just doing the thing, but then it's like shame, like throwing a bag of shame and judgment and like self-depreciating language on ourselves. That's like, like, let's add fuel to the fire here. No, like, let's learn to love ourselves, be our own advocate. And sometimes just like, like you said, press the easy button. Yeah. I mean, the hot mess mom 
thing. I just really try to ignore it because yeah. I don't, I don't, it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think it's kind of an excuse yeah. for mamas to like neglect themselves. Yep. And not only that, but kind of treat their kids however they want to, because they're a hot mess. And I think that that, that is heartbreaking to me because ultimately, yes, I love taking good care of mamas and supporting them and mentoring them and coaching them and all of the things. But ultimately it's about their kiddos because I was one of the kiddos that was like, you know, experienced trauma in childhood and was emotionally neglected. And I was the recipient of, of parents who didn't take care of themselves. Mm. And I don't want that for any child. Like every single child deserves the very best that their parents can be. And I'm not saying perfect, but like it, it, you know, it's a big responsibility being a parent and Mm. I don't take it lightly. I take it very seriously, (laughs) but that's because I want, you know, the best for my kids. They deserve it. So yeah, the hot mess piece is just, that's ridiculous to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So I would love to end on this idea to give some like really simple and like practical, even just like application of like this entire conversation, just to kind of boil it down to something that like moms and women like can do like right now or today or this week to like um really just really just like um what's the word i'm looking for like step into the knowledge that they are fully worthy and that they are doing a great job and that it's okay that it's hard and you know just to be their own advocate but like what are what would you say are like some like really simple and practical solutions that might be like versions of like pressing the easy button right now that like moms could do to help themselves, right? Like today or, or this week even. Yeah. Rachel, I, I bet you'll kind of relate to this, but something that I found extremely useful in on my motherhood journey is just like the teeniest, tiniest habits that yeah. I continue to lean into on a daily basis. And you said one of them earlier, which is getting in the habit of asking myself, what do I need right now? What do I need? And it doesn't have to be, I need to get out, you know, away from the house for like a whole weekend. Although that's awesome. And I encourage you to do that. Do I need a glass of water? Do I need some protein to eat? Do I need to step out of the house and like scream my lungs out or (laughs) hit a pillow? What do I need right now? I think one other thing, I mean, there's, there's a lot of really beautiful, simple ways to connect with yourself. Because that's ultimately what it's about is creating presence with yourself, treating yourself with kindness and compassion, putting up little love notes to yourself or reminders. I had to do that. Mm -hmm. Like I could not always remember to take like the supplements that helped me to feel really good, you know, like, or maybe one of these mantras that we've kind of been talking about, like I am valued. I am worthy of taking care of myself. Those are just a couple Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Even to add to that, just to like kind of finish up, wrap up the conversation about like simple and practical things that people can do right now to like make things easier for themselves just as a mother and on this journey, I think would be 
One thing that I really find that is always helpful for me and and my clients and just anyone that I speak to like that is a mom is just to make it a priority every single day to at least get outside for like 10 minutes at the at the very least. Like even if it's not bundling up all your kids like right now it's like winter time it's cold in Minnesota like it's not always easy let me say to like bring three little ones outside but even if it's just for going for a walk for 10 minutes or stepping outside and enjoying like fresh air can do wonders. Whether you're a full-time working mom or part-time working mom or full-time stay-at-home mom, like it doesn't matter. Like you can find 10 minutes to get outside and maybe that's moving your body outside or maybe it's just enjoying the fresh air. Like that is that is a really, really positive, like easy fix that like just can truly transform your mood and transform your day as well. And one other one other thing that that can be really practical is finding one thing every single day. Cause I like again, I just like to keep things so simple. Finding one thing every single day that someone else can help you with. And that's something that I work on a lot, like for myself and my clients too. Like it is really hard as, as a woman, I think too, and as a mom, especially to ask for help and to be open to receiving that. And so making maybe even a list of like, who are the different people in my life that can help me? Maybe it's not, you know, with laundry or chores or, but maybe it's like someone making a meal or maybe it's someone like, Hey, would you mind bringing a coffee over? Like I could really use a friend to chat with and a, or whatever, right? Like anything that it is, maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's like, but finding even like keeping a list, if it's not top of your mind, like who can help me and what are the things that I might need help with? And just, it's almost just like spin the wheel. Okay. Like what can you ask for help with, um, today to, to make things easier, I think can be like really empowering as well. So, um, I wanted to share those as we kind of wrapped up as well. So, Allison, thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a great, I know a very long, but a very, to me, at least a a really powerful conversation. Um, I hope it has been really insightful and helpful. Just the, the, kind of range of topics that we have covered on this podcast for the listeners and for for moms everywhere who get their hands on this content. And I just want to thank you for joining me today and sharing just so openly. Thank you so much, Rachel, for having me on and for sharing your heart and your experience on your beautiful podcast. It really means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It was such a great conversation. Um, Allison, if people want to connect with you and follow along with you or come hang out or even work with you, where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm on Facebook at Allison with one L, Jane Ryan. And then on Instagram, I'm a little bit more active there. It's at I am Allison Ryan. And again, Allison with one L. Perfect. And we will link all of that up in the show notes as well. Um, so that people can connect with you and um, just yeah, share their journey, be inspired and again, work with you if they feel so called to. So um, that's all for today, though. And we will we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Dream Builder Society podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love if you'd head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review so we can continue to get this content into the hands of other incredible women just like you. 
If you're interested in learning more about the work I do and what coaching could look like for you, head over to rachelolstead.com and book your free clarity call so we can explore how coaching can help you create your own dream life too. 